And with that, this is uh, going to be the last tip show for April. It's April 14th, or April 19th. Uh, it is going to be the last tip show of the month. Thank you guys very, 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 very much for joining us. Uh, looks like it's going to be a, just a nice, fun show, so thank you to everybody who came out. Thank you to everybody who listens after the fact. I do appreciate each and every last one of you. Let's get started with a poem. To find a kiss of yours, what would I give? A kiss that strayed from your lips, dead to love. My lips taste the dirt of shadows. To gaze at your dark eyes, what would I give? Dawns of rainbow garnet fanning open before God. The stars blinded them one morning in May, and to kiss your pure thighs, what would I give? Raw rose crystal, sediment of the sun. To Find a Kiss of Yours by Federico Garcia Lorca. That was lovely. Okay. <clears throat> this is the church which Pisa, great and free, reared to St. Catherine. How the time-stained walls that earthquake shook not from their poise appear to shiver in the deep and voluble tones rolled from the organ. Underneath my feet there lies the lid of sepul uh, sepulchral vaults. The image of an armed knight is graven, upon it clad in perfect panoply. Gushes and greaves and cuirass with barred helm, gauntleted hand and sword and blazon shield, round in gothic characters worn dim by the feet of worshippers, are traced his name and birth and death and words of eulogy. Why should I pour upon them this old tomb, this effigy, this strange disused form of this inscription eloquently shown his history? Let me clothe in fitting words the thoughts they breathe and frame this epitaph. He who has forgotten dust for centuries has lain beneath the stone and was one in whom adventure and endurance, and emprise, exalted the mind's faculties, and stung the body's sinews. Brave he was in fight, courteous in banquet, scornful of repose, and bountiful, and cruel, and devout, and quick to draw the sword in private feud. He pushed his quarrels to the death, yet prayed to the saints, as fervently on bended knees, as ever shaven. Cenobite. He loved as fiercely as he fought. He would have borne the maid that pleased him from her bower by night to his hill castle, as the eagle bears to his victim from the fold, and rolled the rocks on his pursuers. He aspired to see his native Pisa queen and arbitress of cities. Earnestly for her, he raised his voice in council and affronted death in battlefield, and climbed the galley's deck, and brought the captured flag of Genoa back. 
or piled upon Arno's crowded quay, the glistening spoils of the tamed Saracen. He was not born to brook to the stranger's yoke, but would have joined the exile and withdrew forever. When the Florentine broke in the gates of Pisa and broke out the bolts for trophies, but he died before that day. He lived the impersonate, the impressionate of an age that shall never return. His soul of fire was kindled by the breath of rude time he lived in. Now a gentler ray succeeds, shuddering at blood. The effeminate cavalier turned from the reproach of the past and from the hopeless future gives to ease and love and music his inglorious life. Pisa, The Knight's Epitaph, William Colin Bryant. I've never heard of William Colin Bryant. That was interesting. Okay. A little bit of a simpler one. Here we are. <clears throat> I never was struck before that hour with love so sudden and so sweet. Her face it bloomed like a sweet flower and stole my heart away complete. My face turned pale a deadly pale, my legs refused to walk away, and when she looked what could I ail, my life all seemed to turn to clay. And then my blood rushed to my face and took my eyesight quite away, the trees and brushes round this place seemed midnight at noonday. I could not see a single thing, words from my eyes did start, they spoke as chords do from the string, and burnt blood round my heart. Are flowers the winter's choice? Is love's bed always snow? She seemed to hear my silent voice, not love appeals to know. I never saw so sweet a face, and that I stood before. My heart had left its dwelling place, and can return no more. First Love by John Clare Okay, moving right along. Here we are. <clears throat> Where, like a pillow on the bed, pregnant bank swelled up to rest, a violet's reaching head, sat we two, one another's best. Our hands were firmly, firmly cemented, with a fast balm, which thence did spring, our eye-beams twisted, and did thread our eyes upon one double string. And so to, ingrate our hate, our, so to engraft our hands as yet, was all the means to make us one, and pictures in our eyes to get was all our propagation. And twixt two equal armies' fates suspend under certain victory, our souls, which to advance their state were gone out, hung twixt her and me. And whilst our souls negotiate there, we are, wow, again this word, sepulchral statues lay, all day the same our postures were, and we said nothing all the day. 
if any so by love refined, that the soul's language understood, and by good love were grown all mind, within convenient distance stood. He, though he knew not which soul spake, because both meant, both spake the same, might thence a new concoction take, and part fur, and part far purer, purer than he came. This ecstasy doth underplex, we said, and tell us what we love. We see by this it was not sex, we see we saw not what did move. But all several souls contained a mixture of things, they know not what. Love these mixed souls doth mix again, and make both one, each this and that. A single violent transplant. The strength, the color, and the size, all which before the poor and scant redouble still, and multiplies. We love with one another so in inter, inter inanimate two souls, that abler soul which thence doth flow, deflects of loneliness controls. We then, who are this new soul, know of what we are composed and made, and for the atoms which we grow are souls whom no change can invade. But, oh, alas, so long, so far, our bodies, why do we forbear? They're ours, though they're not we. We are intelligences. They are spheres. We owe them thanks because they thus did us to us at first convey, yielded their senses force to us, nor are dross to us, but unlay. Our man heaven's influence works not so, but that in first imprints the air, so soul into the soul may flow, though it to body first repair. And our blood labors to beget spirits as like souls as it can, because such fingers need to knit that subtle knot which makes us man. So must pure lovers' souls descend to affections to the faculties which sense may reach and apprehend, else a great prince in poison that lies. To our bodies turn we then, that so weak men on love revealed may look. Love mysteries and souls do grow, but yet the body is his book. And if some lover such as me have heard this dialogue of one, let him still mark us, he shall see, small change when we, when we're bodies, are gone. Oof, I'm going to have to do that one again. Not next week, not next month, but somebody's going to have to pass me that one again sometime. I stumbled over it. That was The Ecstasy by John Donne, and I guess I need to learn this spiritual word and how to actually pronounce it. I know what it means. I know what a septure is, but I don't know how to pronounce that particular version of it, and it just appeared in two poems in a row. What are the odds? All right. <clears throat> One last poem, and it doesn't look nearly as scary, so let's go ahead and get into it. About my young careless feet linger along the garish street. Above a hundred shouting signs shed down their bright fantastic glow upon the merry crowd that lines of moving carriages below. Oh, wonderful is Broadway. 
Only my heart, my heart, is lonely. Desire, naked, linked with passion, goes trutting in a brazen fashion. From playhouse, cabaret, and inn, the rainbow's lights of Broadway's blaze. All gay without, all glad within, as in a dream I stand and gaze. At Broadway, shining Broadway, only my heart, my heart, is lonely. On Broadway, by Claude McKay. Well, goodness, we had some very interesting, very lovely poems. Don't the ladies of the night have the very best taste? I sure think so. I sure think so. I'll think so for all of us. How about that? Well, I'm just going to say it as a writer. <laughs> we're going to get off on a real interesting note with this very first one. Uh, the first line of this one is a note to the reader, which is me, and technically you, by proxy. Note to the reader, this story is fiction. It's also copyright 2019. Now, I'm just going to give you <laughs> a, little, a little bit of a tidbit on why that's so funny to me. Uh, and why that says we might be in for something interesting right off the bat in the porn section of today's show. Uh, number one, uh, you definitely don't have to say on a fictional site if your stories are fictional. And so to put that up there is very interesting. The second thing is I've met a lot of writers and I've had a lot of conversations with them. Uh, writing is the thing that I've been most passionate about the last 20 years of my life. Uh, overall, and uh, if, if you're listening to this, you're a fan of the podcast, and you know that I like to be prolific. I enjoy that about me. I enjoy writing. I enjoy storytelling. Uh, I enjoy it in a whole lot of mediums. I enjoy storytelling. There's only a certain kind of writer that I've met in my experience that <laughs> is obsessed with copyright, and that kind of writer is kind of like the libertarian of writing. Like, they're the kind who's just really, really obsessed with nobody, nobody look at my shit, nobody do any of my shit, don't fanfic me or I'll sue you. Um, and then the people who believe in, in like, the power of their copyright to the point that they're stamping it on shit uh, at the top of it uh, are the same kind of people who will, like, print out everything that they write and then mail it in an envelope to themselves to get it postmarked, and then never open it, so that one day they can take that envelope to court and open it up and go, See? See? I wrote it! It was me! Um, and every single time I've tried to have a conversation with one of these people, I've always brought up the same thing, which is simply, anything you write, the moment you write it, inherently has your copyright, otherwise copyright law couldn't work, is number one, and you get pushback from these people as soon as you say that. And then number two, if a multinational corporation is going to steal your fucking work, you really think the envelope is going to make the goddamn difference in the court case? Because that's, like, it's not going to help you kill them all and avenge yourself as a writer. You're only hoping for the payday in this one. 
And do you really think that's what's going to, like, they're going to look at all the similarities between the stories, the story that you wrote, your writing style, everything you've put out there, all your writing, and that thing that's that's been stolen from you. And they're like, oh, no. But then you fucking, you fucking whip out that goddamn envelope and pull it open. They'll be like, Jesus Christ. Suing for the case of the guy with the crazy hair, the broken glasses, who's been flipping everybody off for the last three days. That's not going to happen. So we'll see if this person uh, is that type of uh, writer or not. <clears throat> now that we've been noted on what's what with this person's copyright. <clears throat> if you have ever been, the afternoon commute in Southern California is terrible. Unlike the cities of New York and Chicago with their fantastic public transportation systems, Southern Californians need personal vehicles. Millions of people commute to work from one city to another and do not use public transportation. With, with 24.6 million residents and millions of commuters, it stands to reason that there will be automobile accidents daily. What is most interesting is that many of these accidents occur under 25 miles per hour. Stop-and-go traffic is the worst. I can tell you from personal experience that today's modern cars are meant to self-destruct on impact. I'll have a note about that on the way. My accident was no different. The vehicle behind me hit me in the rear going about 15 miles per hour, while I stopped for traffic on the freeway. The impact jolted me, but not so bad that I needed medical attention at the time. My car, however, required more than buffing out the paint. On the way home from work, I was in the slow lane, inching along in the stop-and-go traffic. There were brief moments of blistering speeds near 30 miles per hour for a few moments, and then stopping again. It was Tuesday afternoon, and I was almost to my off-ramp and looking forward to some Mexican food, Taco Tuesday, and a cold beer when the accident occurred. I had my head back against the headrest when the sudden lurch forward jolted me. My headrest saved me from the whiplash injury. Fortunately, there was ample room between the guy in front of me, and we did not make contact. Well, boy, we're really getting into this fucking accident. When I looked into my rearview mirror to see what kind of asshole hit me, I saw a woman looking at me. The look of fright on her face calmed me for the briefest of instant when our eyes met. I realized she was scared. We both pulled out of traffic and exited our vehicles. Oh my god, are you alright? She screamed in panic. Yeah, I'm okay. How about you? Are you injured? I asked. She started to well up with tears and stood by her left front fender, looking at my car as I started to pull out my wallet to exchange information. The damage to my Chevy was minor, but costly. The traffic next to us started to move faster as we talked. I could see an 18-wheeler drifting out of its lane toward us. There wasn't time to tell her to look out. 
So I took her by the arm and dashed between the cars to the side of the road. As we cleared between our vehicles, the truck creamed to the driver's side of both cars. She screamed bloody murder at the sound of metal crunching. If we had stayed on the driver's side, we both would have died. The mass of the 18-wheeler killed both of our vehicles. I later learned that the driver of the big rig had a fatal heart attack and crashed next to us. (laughs) I still had her arm in my hand when the big rig hit. She whirled towards the sound in time to see the enormous truck crushing my car and pushing it over the embankment with the 18-wheeler following. She clamped onto me and started bawling. Her arms went around me tightly, gripped me, and (laughs) it was like my torso was in some torture device. I tried to comfort her by rubbing her back as she held me. It's all right. You're safe now, I said. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. I don't know if you've been through enough to use that line, dude. Okay. Her face was against my chest as I held the woman who hit me. I could only feel her trembling in fear. A few moments later, a California Highway Patrol, a CHP (laughs) officer, arrived. The officer got out of his cruiser and asked us if we were okay. I told him that we were all right, but he needed to check on the big rig driver. The long process of gathering information about the accident began with the CHIP, remember the TV show, interrogating us. It seemed like he asked us questions for hours, but I'm sure it was only a few minutes. The sun was going down and the temperature was dropping rapidly. Springtime in SoCal has warm days and cold nights. Neither of us wore a jacket, so I asked the chip if he had a blanket for the woman because she was shivering from the cold. He opened his trunk and pulled out a wool blanket. I wrapped it around her. There, is that better? I asked. She nodded her head, yes, as her teeth chattered. During the interrogation, I learned her name was Angelica Morales. No, Morales, whoops. She is 31 years old, a single mother, and works as a dental technician for a dentist two cities away. Because the accident involved a fatality, the CHP impounded our vehicles. But I also learned that we lived less than a mile apart, and we agreed to share a ride home. In the car, we talked to get to know one each other better. We had to introduce ourselves. I'm Scott Baker. And I stuck my hand out to shake her hands. Pleased to meet you. I'm Angelica Lopez. Did you get everything you need from the car before we left, I asked. I have to change my voice for her. Yes, but I did forget my textbook and notepad. It fell to the floor under the front seats when I hit you. I do hope you are all right. I'm fine, but I can't say the same for my car, though. I chuckled. Tears started to run down her cheeks, and I realized I was a jerk in my attempt to add levity. I'm sorry. Don't worry about the cars. Insurance companies will take care of everything. In a very soft voice, with her head down low, Angelica said, I don't have insurance. My ex-husband stopped paying. I don't have the money to make the payments. 
She started to cry more, and I put my arm around her. It'll be all right. I have an uninsured motorist on my policy. My car is probably totaled, but I was planning on getting a new one anyway. We arrived at her apartment building, and she got out. She was so embarrassed for hitting me and not having insurance, Angelica bolted away without saying goodbye. I could not sleep that night because I kept thinking, because I could keep thinking about Angelica. In all the excitement of the events of the afternoon, while laying in bed, I realized that she was in a heap of trouble. I'm a sucker for a woman in trouble. Call it a male version of the Florence Nightingale syndrome, if you will. I don't think you know what that is, sir. Nonetheless, my mind was racing with a dozen different ways I could help her. I thought about her being a single mom and how it would be challenging to care for her son with no car. I thought about how beautiful she is and how she felt in my arms after the accident. Maybe it's my imagination, but I think she resembles Eva Longoria in every way. Her long, dark hair, high cheekbones, beautiful chest, and narrow hips were a sight to behold. I know, typical man, always thinking about a woman sexually, guilty as charged. She said she was single. What kind of idiot would divorce a hot babe like her? (laughs) The next morning, I called work and told my boss about the crash and how it would be a while before I could get another car. My boss agreed to let me set up a remote connection so I could continue to work from home. I don't need to be at the office to do my job, but you know how employers can be at times. A few weeks later, on a Friday afternoon, I called Angelica to see if she was doing okay. Hi, Angelica. It's Scott from the accident. I called to ask if you were okay after the accident. Yes, I'm okay. I heard her sniffle as her voice breaking, and her voice breaking as she spoke. Listen, I need to discuss a few things with you. Would it be all right if you met me at the Golden Ox restaurant down at the street from you? I live a short distance from there. How how long do you think we'll be? Not long. I only have a few things to discuss. What, what time did you want to meet me? How about in an hour? Okay, okay. I'll be there. I sat in the restaurant for only a few minutes when I saw Angelica come inside. I waved to her, and she walked to where I was sitting. I stood up to greet her. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Thank you for coming. How are you feeling? Did you have any pain problems from the accident? My neck is a bit sore, but nothing more. How about you? She asked. I'm all right. I was thinking about you and wondered if you had another car you could use. (laughs) No, I only have the bus. When my husband left me, he took the truck. It was the only vehicle we had. I saved enough to buy my beat-up Honda. I I don't know what I'll do now. She started to cry again. I realized then how much of a problem not having transportation is with CHP and pounding her car. I've got an idea that may help. The CHP said because of the fatality, it would be several more weeks before they release our cars from impound. Not to mention the time it'll take to repair your car if a body shop can repair it at all. Knowing that you will need some way to get to work and school, I thought, 
I could loan you a car until you get your car fixed. I can't let you do that. You you do not need to help me. I'm the one who hit you. I know, I know, but you have a family to care for, and you need to get to work, to school, shopping, and so on. A bus is not the most efficient way to get around. <laughs> one more time. A bus is not the most efficient way to get around. It would be no trouble to add you to the insurance policy. What do you say? I was planning on buying a new car anyway, but I thought since she didn't have the money for insurance, she certainly didn't have money for a replacement car. As I said, I'm a sucker for a woman in need. I don't know, Scott. We only met a couple of weeks ago. So what? That doesn't matter. You need a car. And I have one. Let, let me think about it. Okay, how about I call you again tomorrow for your decision? Sure. Call me in the morning around 9 a.m. I'll be up by then. Great! Do you want me to walk you home? The neighborhood here is sketchy. I'll be all right. It's only three blocks to my complex. Very well! Until tomorrow. I shook her hand and watched her walk towards the door. As a side note, which I haven't been making any of this entire fucking piece, a couple of days after the accident, I had walked to the small used car lot down the street from me. There, I bought a used Kia that was in excellent shape, but had over 200,000 miles on it. The interior was clean and did not smell of tobacco or body odor. The engine purred like a kitten and drove straight. The brakes, tires, and battery needed replacing, so I drove it to the tire store and had the engine and transmission service along with the new tires, brakes, and battery. I was planning on using the Kia for a while until I could decide on which brand of muscle car I was going to buy. The next morning, Saturday, I called Angelica and asked her to meet me at the restaurant again. When she arrived, we made small talk over coffee. She told me about her son. He's 16, athletic, very bright, but very poor in school. He doesn't apply himself in his studies. Angelica also told me about how her ex-husband is a construction worker and womanizer. She said he would stay out late on the weekends and come home with the smell of another woman on him. She tried to make the marriage work and keep him from straying, but one day he announced he was leaving her for another woman. Angelica was devastated and sank into a deep depression. She told me when her husband ran off to the other woman, Angelica was a stay-at-home mom who didn't have any job skills. It wasn't until she enrolled in a private dental school that she was able to find work. The school helped her with a dentist willing to train her with Bay. I watched as her mood changed with each story she told me. Angelica is aptly named. There seemed to be an aura about her that speaks to me. Her natural beauty requires little in the way of makeup. Unlike the younger girls of today with their oversized and painted-on eyebrows and their false eyelashes that they turn into upturned lawn rakes, Angelica is pristine. It's hard for me to concentrate on what she says for my wondering mind. I have to force myself to listen carefully. Rather than ask what her decision is about the car, I asked her to come with me. Step outside a moment with me. 
I reached for her hand and held it in mine as we went to the parking lot. We walked up to the Kia. I dangled the keys before her. It's yours if you want it. Oh, Scott, I can't accept this. Nonsense! You need a car. I won't take no for an answer. Dun, dun, dun. A smile slowly clipped over her, and she sunk her head between her shoulders in excitement. I opened the door for her, and she sat back down in the driver's seat. Angelica looked around the car from front to back. When I handed her the keys, I said, start her up. The engine came to life, and she smiled. I moved to the passenger seat and sat down. Take her for a spin. Angelica and I buckled up, and away we went. She was smiling the whole time we drove. Interesting. Why are you driving? After a few minutes of driving, we found ourselves at the auto center where all the dealerships are. I had her stop at the Ford dealer, and we parked the car. Come in with me, I said as we got out of the Honda. I had already researched online and made a deal with the Ford dealership for a new Mustang GT. The Mustang sat in the showroom, waiting for my signatures. The sales manager greeted us as we opened the door to the showroom. <laughs> you must be Mr. and Miss Baker. I'm Al Jones. We worked out the deal online together. Angelica was surprised at what Jones had said about Mr. and Miss Baker. I looked at her and then told Jones that she was a friend and not my wife. I'm sorry, he said. You make a fine-looking couple, if I do say so myself. If you follow me to my office, we can get started on my paperwork. I signed the documents and transferred the sales prize from the bank to the dealership. As we were saying our goodbyes, I heard the Mustang's engine roar to life. We turned to watch the car slowly drive out of the showroom and down the ramp to the lot below. Jones handed me the keys and said, Enjoy your new ride. I wish I had one. We shook hands and Angelica and I walked down the ramp to the waiting Mustang GT. I hadn't told her that I was buying and when she saw me open the driver's door, she gasped, This is your car? Yep. I thought if I was going to get a new car, I got it. I ought to get one that stands out among the rest. <laughs> what do you think? It's beautiful. Come on, get in, I said. We buckled our seatbelts and I started the engine. The dash lit up like a cockpit of a jet fighter. All glass gauges shone brightly in the darkened Mustang interior. After driving around the city in my white Mustang with blue racing stripes down the middle, we went back to get the Kia, and she drove home. The following Saturday... <laughs> Son of a bitch! The following Saturday, I called Angelica to see how the Kia was doing. Older cars have aches and pains like us, and I wanted to make sure I didn't give her a lemon. We chatted for a long time before I got the nerve to ask her out on the date. Are you hungry? Would you like to get something to eat? I asked. I could eat. What would you like to have? I'm, I'm not a picky eater. Whatever you decide is okay with me. How does a steak sound? <laughs> Great. I know an excellent steakhouse not too far from my apartment. 
I picked Angelica up at her apartment, and we spent the evening talking after the steakhouse. Can you? The sex is going to be amazing. We sat at the restaurant bar nursing our drinks as we talked. With each moment I spent with Angelica, I found myself becoming smitten. She has a contagious laugh and a slight snort when it all starts. I didn't want the day to end, but I needed to take her home. At her doorstep, we said goodbye. Scott, I cannot thank you enough. I promise to take good care of your car, and as soon as I get my car back, I promise to return the Honda. He keeps changing it from a Kia to a Honda, and I'm not a car guy, but this is really bothering me. (laughs) Angelica, you don't need to give the car back. I transferred the title and registered it in your name. The pink slip will arrive soon, so it's yours to keep or do with every wish. You can't do that. You hardly know me. I know you enough that you need help, and I'm happy to oblige. There are no strings attached. I don't need two cars, and your car is likely a total loss, too. I remember the big rig as bent the nose of your Honda to the right and probably made it unrepairable. I remember seeing oil and water leaking out, and the left front fender... <laughs> Jesus Christ... Was where the engine should be. You're lucky to get scrap metal prices for its salvage value. Angelica grabbed and hugged me tightly. She kissed me on the cheek and said, I don't know what I would have done without you, Scott. You're my knight in shining armor. Ah, shucks, ma'am, I said as I put my arms around her. Angelica looked me in the eyes and kissed me on the lips. I thought my brain was going to explode right there. She stepped back, said goodbye, and walked inside her apartment. The following week, I sent a text message asking to see Angelica again. She agreed, and we saw each other off and on for the next few weeks. Our dates were platonic, though, and I could sense a distance going between us. I wondered if I were a pity date because of the accident and the Kia. It felt like she was begrudgingly seeing me. On our next dinner date, we went to the seaside restaurant in Manhattan Beach. Over drinks before dinner, I asked, Is something wrong, Angelica? You seem very distant from me. She did not reply right away. I watched her facial expression change from neutral to sad. Her eyes welled up with tears, and she bowed her head. I patiently waited for her to speak. I guess the silence was too much for her. Scott, I've not been honest with you. Oh? How so? When my son told his father about the accident in the Kia he gave me, he became jealous, and he said that he wants to get back with me. He said he would change his ways, and that he loves me. He said that he wants to make it work this time. I see. Do you want me to stop calling you? Is that what you're trying to say? Oh, Scott, I don't know what to do. I'm confused. Come on, I'll take you home. The silence in the Mustang was deafening. The only sound was the whine of the engine as it broke the silence. I wanted to peel out screeching the tires in anger, but instead I kept a cool head and drove safely to her apartment. When we got there, I parked, turned off the ignition, and faced Angelica. 
It's natural to be confused, and I understand what you're going through. I, too, had felt the same way when my ex-wife wanted to get back after she left. She realized that she had a good thing with me and found that the grass was not as green as she thought. I found out she was using drugs, and she, too, had cheated on me as your husband did to you. She promised she was clean, so we tried living together again, but it was not the same. I kept thinking the other shoe would drop and that she would be back to her old ways. We lasted about two weeks before she left again. I later learned through the grapevine that she was using drugs again and that she was in bed with her dealer, the same guy she went for the first time. I hope your marriage works out with your ex-husband. He's a lucky man to realize how special you are. I leaned forward to kiss Angelica on the cheek. She was crying as she got out of the car. She tried to speak, but I stopped her by starting the engine and shaking my head. No. Jesus Christ. In the following weeks and months... Oh, my God! In the following weeks and months, after Angelica told me about her husband, it felt like I was run over by the big rig. I lost all interest in work. I started to gain weight from overeating. I was losing sleep at night. The symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder sometimes take a while to become apparent. Fuck you, copyright author. (laughs) From, From the depth of my heart, I'm allowed to say it with a diagnosis of PTSD. Oh, go fuck yourself. At night, I started to have terrible nightmares. I dreamed of the accident that the driver died at the scene. My dreams kept flashing back and forth between reliving the accident and the few times Angelica and I laughed together. On advice of my attorney, I started go Here we go. On advice of my attorney, I started going to the group therapy sessions. One more time. On advice of my attorney, I started going to group therapy sessions. That's a whole fucking story right there. Therapy helped me overcome my sorrow about losing Angelica. I was finally able to catch up at work and started having a better outlook at life. On the first anniversary of the accident, I received a check in the mail from my attorney for the uninsured motorist claim minus her fee. With the payment arrived, I immediately thought Angelica and wondered if she was doing well with her ex-husband. As I was getting ready to go out for the evening, I put the check in my coat pocket and heard a knock at my door. When I opened my front door, Angelica was standing there with tears in her eyes. Her hair covered her left eye like Veronica Lake, the 40s blonde shell bomb. Angelica's head was down, and she would not look at me. Page two of three. Okay, okay. <laughs> number number one. <laughs> tip me. Jesus Christ, looking at me, listen to me going through this fucking store. Fucking tip me. Jesus Christ. <laughs> We've got ourselves a live one. I refuse to quit before they get to the fucking sex. This is this is definitely like not like selling some fucking ceramics. I'm invested. I know so many granular details. This is like drive the fucking erotica where there's like 45 minutes of shit before that there's driving, okay? This is amazing. I like like 
there's a whole Southern California ecosystem going on. And my God, I just, I, I, I'm really, <laughs> I'm kind of into it. I've never had a lawyer say, you need to get you to fucking therapy, dude. Like, that's amazing. There's so much going on in this story, and I can't wait to hear where it goes. I thought I knew where this was going at the beginning. I was wrong. I was wrong. It's a year later. He's been through therapy. He's a changed man. Let's find out what happens on page two. Without saying a word, she stepped forward and hugged me very tightly. I felt her shoulder shudder as she cried. We stood silent for a moment on my doorstep before I backed up, pulling her with my arms. I closed the door, and I sat her down on my sofa. What's wrong? I asked. She did not respond. She only cried with her head down. I bent at the waist to look her in the eyes when I noticed the black eye that was swelling around her orbital socket. Her left eye was swollen shut. She looked like she went twelve rounds with a heavyweight boxing match champion. When I put my finger under her chin and lifted it to see her better, she turned away. Who did this to you? Angelica didn't respond. Did your husband do this to you? Again, she didn't respond. Come with me. I'm taking you to the hospital emergency room. Which is what we all call it as human beings. Angelica tried to resist, but forced her to come with me. Okay. We drove to the ER and waited for the doctor. When he saw her eye, the doctor glared at me and accused me of hitting her. No, he didn't do this. My ex-husband did. Scott is my friend, and he brought me here. The doctor examined Angelica and asked if there were any other injuries. She lifted her blouse below her breast to show that the doctor to show the doctor the bruises on her ribs. The doctor excused himself and a nurse came in to treat Angelica's wounds. The nurse then escorted Angelica and me to another area of the hospital. The sign on the wall said Forensic Service Units. <laughs> Forensic Services Unit. We sat in the waiting area until a nurse came out to escort us into the exam room. Oh, I, was so, I was so worried that they weren't going to tell us how we got in there. There, the nurse took semen from Angelica for evidence. In there, the nurse asked a multitude of questions about Angelica's injuries. At first, she was reticent about responding, but I encouraged her to be truthful because it's really easy in these situations in front of a strange man. Angelica told her that her ex-husband came home drunk, as he often did, and started accusing her of cheating on him. She denied the accusations because they were not true. He raped her and beat her anyway to the point where she passed out. When she came to, he was passed out on the sofa. Angelica left the apartment and drove to my place. About ten minutes into the interview, a policewoman entered the office and introduced herself. I'm Officer Jenkins. Miss Lopez, I'm told your husband hurt you. Angelica nodded her head yes. The officer asked different questions and wrote her answers on a form. The officer then requested Angelica to sign the crime report. She refused to sign. I asked the nurse and the officer to give us a moment alone. They left, and I spoke to Angelica. Sweetheart, you need to sign the crime report. You can't let this go. There's no telling what he'll do next if you don't. It's my fault. If I had been a better wife to him, he wouldn't have left me in the first place. 
Her false guilt angered me. No woman who is the victim of sexual violence is responsible for the actions of the rapist. All right, well, hats off to you, dude. You, 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 you put it out there. Respect. There's some, there's some issues with your fucking narrative, but yeah, you know what? Respect. You, you, you gained five to ten points right there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop dunking on you so hard. I talked while she listened. My words must have had a positive effect on her because she agreed to sign the crime report. I mentioned for the officer to return and Angelica approved the report. Officer Jenkins asked if Angelica needed a place to stay. She said there were battered women's shelters nearby that would take her in. Angelica didn't respond. She can stay with me, I said. Officer Jenkins wrote my name, address, and phone number on the report along with my driver's license number. Before she agreed to let Angelica stay with me, the officer called in on her radio for a wants and warrants check on me. Hearing that I had a clean record, Officer Jenkins released Angelica to me. She wasn't in custody. There were a few more forms to sign before we left the hospital. She was silent during the ride to my apartment. Boy, if they have sex tonight after all of this fucking... And then, and then, and then, sometime later, Jesus Christ, I don't know what I'm going to do. Once inside, I wrapped a blanket around her and had her sit down on my couch. I asked if she was hungry or wanted anything to drink. Water, please. I bought a cold bottle of water from the refrigerator and handed it to Angelica. She could not open the top, so I opened it for her. She drank the water but spilled some down her front. It was as if she was near catatonic. Her right eye stared into the distance. She was numb from shock. As she sat on the couch, I went back to the kitchen and fetched some cheese, crackers, cold cuts, and diced fruits. I sat next to Angelica and told her that she needed to eat. Reluctantly, she ate a few bites but remained distant. I didn't say anything for a long time. I sat watching her for delayed signs of shock. I'll fix my bed for you, and I'll sleep in here tonight. Angelica turned to face me and said, Please don't. I don't want to be alone tonight. Sleep with me, please. Okay, this guy might be losing all the fucking points I gave him. He might be losing all the fucking points. Of course. Whatever you wish. I knew that she didn't mean she wanted to sleep with me. She needed for me for support. Standing before her, I pulled her up, and we walked to my bedroom, I led her to the far side of my bed and pulled her back. I pulled back the covers. I'll step in the bathroom while you undress. Do you need a shirt or something to wear? I can let you have a clean t-shirt and some of my underwear if you like. Yes, that would be nice, please. When I emerged from the bathroom in my skivvies, she was under the covers. I left the bathroom light on the door ajar to provide some light so the room wasn't completely dark if she decided she needed to get up and use the bathroom later on. I slid on my side and turned out the bedside lamp. Scott, please hold me. I moved to her side as we spooned. My left arm was under the pillow with my right arm around her body. Angelica wriggled her bottom closer to me and let out a sigh when I kissed the back of her head and said goodnight. Not emotionally supportive. She fell asleep instantly. The pain meds the hospital gave her did their job well. 
The sun woke me as it shone through the mini blinds in my bedroom window. Angelica was wrapped around me as I lay on my back. It had been a very long time since I had a woman in my arms in the morning. The feeling was welcome as I lay there thinking about what would happen next. My mind raced through the many thoughts around the incident the night before. The weather, her ex-husband, was arrested at a domestic violence charge. Carefully working my body from underneath Angelica, I slipped out of bed and made my way to the bathroom, hoping she did not awaken while I was away. Angelica stirred as I returned to the bed to lay beside her. She tried to open her eyes. The left eye didn't fully open, and she winced in pain as she tried to roll onto her back. Good morning, beautiful. Not emotionally supportive. Did you sleep well? Feeling her still swollen orbital socket, she said, Ow, my face hurts, my rib hurts, and I must look a fright. I leaned over to kiss her cheek as she lay next to me. I don't care what you look like now. I'm not that superficial. You'll be back to normal in a few days. Oh, oh my God, that response. <laughs> One more time from the top. <clears throat> I don't care what you look like now. I'm not that superficial. You'll be back to normal in a few days. Until then, rest easy. I'll take care of you until you get back on your feet again. Oh, you're losing all the points. All the points, dude. Thank you, Scott, she said. For what? <laughs> Go fuck yourself. For helping me. You seem always to be there when I need you the most. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for taking me in and, and not taking advantage of me when I slept. Ah, oh, it's nothing. I do this for all the girls that crash into me on the freeway. Oh, she said with a smile. This happens all the time to you, does it? Like clockwork. I'm used to it now, but before, I was a mess. Especially that time where this one girl nearly died in my arms when a big rig destroyed our cars. Even though I did not know her name at first, she got to me. Something inside me clicked, and when she went away, I felt as if I had lost everything. I want to think, she's back now. <laughs> Shit. I looked at Angelica and saw tears swelling in the corner of her eyes. Her left hand reached behind my neck and pulled me close. We kissed, as lovers do. <laughs> yes, she's back, and she's never going away again, she said. I helped Angelica out of bed and walked her to the bathroom. She was mobile but wincing in pain with every step. I left her to find her purse and the meds the hospital gave her. While she sat on the toilet, I went to the kitchen and brought her a glass of orange juice and set the orange juice on my dresser. She took a shower and dressed as best as she could while I made breakfast when she walked into the kitchen. She had her top in hand and her pants were not buttoned. I, I can't get my arms over my head to put my top on and my ribs hurt when I try to button my jeans. She stood there, helpless in her bra and undone jeans with pleading eyes. I told her to bend over at the waist and let her arms dangle downward. 
She put her arms through the openings, and I pulled it backward up over her head. As she stood upright, I straightened the top and then buttoned her jeans for her. Angelica put her arms around my body and kissed me. Have you called your son? Oh, sorry. Have you called your son to let him know where you are? Yes. I called him before my shower. What did he say when you told him what happened? He already knew because he was in the room when it started. He told me that he tried to stop his father, but he wasn't able to. When his father passed out and he saw that I was unconscious, he called 911 from a neighbor's apartment because he was so scared. I woke up before he returned to the neighbor, and he was on my way to you. Huh? Did he say anything more about his father? He told me that when the cops arrived, they already had my statement at the hospital. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. And they arrested him. I just need to call the jail later today to find out when he'll get his arraignment. I motioned for Angelica to sit at the table and eat. After breakfast, we drove back to her place and I picked up her son and a few things she needs. I told her son that, we were, that he was safe with me and not to worry about his father. I said that his father would get the help he needs. Angelica and Mark, her son, stayed with me for a few days until we were sure the ex-husband would remain in jail until his trial because he could not make bail. In the meantime, <clears throat> she filed a restraining order request and then moved back into her apartment. We continued to <clears throat> excuse me. We continued to see each other several times over the next few weeks. Okay, and we're back. One Friday evening, <clears throat> after dinner at a jazz club, we were sitting at the bar listening to the jazz ensemble softly playing on the stage. I looked at Angelica and said, "I need to tell you something." What's that? Holding her, holding her hand in mine and looking directly into her beautiful brown eyes, I said, I've been reluctant to tell you until now, but I'm ready to say it. Say what, Scott? Angelica, I'm in love with you, and I have been ever since the day we met. The moment I saw you in your, my rearview mirror, something hit me. She laughed at my unintentional pun. I continued. When you spent those few nights with me in bed, and even though we did not make love, I felt then, as I do now, that you are the one. I can't sleep at night because you are not with me. I want you and Mark to move in with me. I need you, Angelica. She stood up and slammed herself into me. Her arms wrapped around me and tried to squeeze the life out of me. We kissed passionately. And when she pulled away, tears were on her cheeks. Scott, I love you too. I've been waiting for you to say it to me. Take me home, Scott, and make love to me in our bed. <laughs> and here we fucking go. Ready? Having never dated a Latina woman before, I was completely unaware of the passion they have for their man. The term lat lover applies to both men and women. Angelica is the best... Are you fucking kidding me? Angelica is the best lover I've ever had. When I was in the Navy, I had women all around the world in every port I visited. None can compare with the passion of Angelica. She is better than any porn star sexually. My only wish 
is that I would have married her first. Our lovemaking started the second we got in the car. I had to peel her off me as I drove because of her blowjob. I was losing consciousness as her hoover-like mouth sucked my dick. Angelica kept me hard until we reached my apartment. As we walked upstairs from the garage inside, she held onto my cock, leading me like a dog on a leash. She kept leading me by my cock until we reached my bed. Angelica sat on the edge of my bed and leaned over to suck on me some more. My cock disappeared down her throat with ease. With each bobbing up and down of her mouth, her tongue glided along the underside of my shaft. Her hands twisted my flesh stick until I was about to come. I pulled away from her and pulled her up for a kiss. My hands found their way to the zipper on her back. Her dress fell to the floor, and to my amazement, she was brawless. Her pert nipples were erect like number two pencil erasers. The nipples pointed upward, I imagine, like when she was an 18-year-old. My mouth found a nipple, and I applied vacuum and tongue. Her hands held my neck from behind as her head tilted backward. We stepped apart enough for her to unbutton my shirt while I undid my belt and zipper. My hard cock struck out like a flagpole on the side of a building. You know, as they are. I told her to lay down and back towards and spread her legs while I got a towel from the bathroom. I put the bath towel on a pillow and put my pad under her ass. I was pleased to see she had hair above her naked vulva. Her labia was glistening with anticipatory moisture. One more time. Her labia was glistening with anticipatory moisture. Her fragrance was exquisite. My tongue worked its magic on her pussy. When I fingered her hole, I felt the rough part of the roof of her, where her G-spot is. The combination of my finger on her G-spot, my mouth applying vacuum, and my tongue diddling her clit made Angelica scream as she came. My hands gripped the side, her hands gripped my hair as she tried to pull my head closer. She squirted her love juice into my mouth like garden hose watering the flower bed. Her body jerked with every post-orgasm lick of my nipple. Using the towel beneath her to wipe away my face, I moved up to where my cock was ready to slip inside her. I reached for a condom and put it on before we mated. Angelica is a small woman, standing only five feet two inches tall. Her body is to die for. Her eyes opened wide as she felt my manhood enter her most sacred place and she inhaled sharply with the first complete stroke. My cock took some getting used to, as she later told me I was bigger and longer than her ex-husband. I slowly bottomed out as she adjusted to my size. I'm not so oversized as some men are, only seven inches and proportionate girth. Once I started moving faster, the animal in her came out. Angelica's arms were gripping the sheets as I laid pipe into her. She spoke Spanish as we made love. Curico, mas, 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 volume, mas duro. I took enough Spanish in school to know what she said. Delicious, more, 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 fuck me harder. 
I oblige her by rolling by rolling her on top of me in the cowgirl position. The weight of her body let me plunge my cock even deeper inside her. Angelica is so skinny I could see my cock bulging upward below the skin of her mons Venus. It took it looked like a small animal under a blanket running back and forth. <laughs> It looked like a small animal under a blanket running back and forth. She cried out in ecstasy when I told her I was coming. I grabbed her hips and thrust upward with every rope shot into the condom. I could feel her squirt again as I bottomed out. Jesus, how is this going to continue? <laughs> Angelica fell onto my chest and panted. Her body was limp as we enjoyed the afterglow of our lovemaking. She eventually rolled off me. I held her close and said, I've been waiting all my life for you. We fit perfectly together, and I could get used to this very quickly. The next morning, Angelica and I started looking for a bigger apartment. We were lucky to find one nearby and ready to move in. Over the following weekend, we moved her ex-husband's things into a small storage facility, and she moved in with me. I don't believe I was happier in all my life as I am with Angelica. She immediately put her feminine touch on our apartment. Angelica did not have to testify at the trial. The judge was lenient on her ex-husband and ordered 30 days in the county jail, acknowledging time already spent. He also ordered anger management classes, along with the mandatory Alcoholics Anonymous meetings for the duration of the two-year probation. Okay, here we fucking go. Ready? This sentence, this sentence has made everything worthwhile. Here we go. About six months into his probation... Angelica and Mark met with her ex-husband, supervised by his probation officer, where he apologized for his behavior and asked for forgiveness. There, she told him about me and that it was over between them. She also said that she could see Mark as often as he wants, but Mark has to go to him, or he could meet Mark down the street to pick him up. The court restraining order mandates a 1,000-foot radius exclusion zone around Angelica, wherever she is. That afternoon, when she and Mark came home, I asked Mark to take a walk with me while Angelica made dinner. Outside, I asked Mark how it was seeing his father in typical teenager fashion. He shrugged his shoulders and said, Okay, I guess. I smiled and told Mark how much I love his mother and how happy she makes me. Mark, I want to marry your mother, but I need to know you're okay with it. He stopped walking, turned to me, and said, It's about time. I was wondering if you were going to ask her to marry you. She loves you very much. I was hoping you would say that. I haven't proposed yet, so will you keep it a secret between us until I can arrange things? No problem, Scott. I want a proposal. I want the proposal to be exceptional for her, and I wish for you to be there too when I ask her to marry me. It must be a big surprise for her. You can count on me, Scott. Angelica is an ardent L.A. Dodgers fan. We have season tickets for their home game, so I decided to propose to her at the ballpark. I contacted the Dodgers organization and arranged to throw out the first pitch on Veterans Night. She and Mark would be on the sidelines where I threw the ball. Angelica would then come to the mound to hug me. 
and I would propose there. I arranged for the fair play electronic scoreboard at the stadium to display, Will you marry me, Angelica? We arrived early to the Veterans Night home game. I told Angelica that Mark wanted to watch batting practice before the game. When we got to our seats on the left field foul line, I said that I needed to use the restroom and would be a while. I phoned the Dodgers office and told them that I was at the stadium. I waited at the entrance until the usher came to confirm my identification. He told me to go back to my seat and that he would come get us for the first pitch ceremony. When the usher approached us and asked us to enter the playing field, Angelica was surprised. I told her I entered a contest and won. The usher took us near home plate where he met some of the players, and they gave me a Dodgers jersey with my name on the back. I took the ball out of the mound when they announced who would be throwing out the first pitch. I played baseball throughout my childhood and junior college, so getting the ball to the plate was not a problem. The crowd politely applauded as Angelica ran towards me on the mound. I hugged her and then dropped on one knee while the scoreboard made the announcement. Angelica's hands went to her mouth, and she started crying when I asked her to marry me. Through the tears of joy, she nodded yes. I stood up to kiss her, and the stadium erupted in joyous applause. We walked off the field together to where Mark was waiting. He hugged his mother, and we went back to our seats to enjoy the game. The scoreboard displayed, Congratulations, Angelica and Scott. Can we come to the wedding, too? Ah! As we walked to our places in the grandstands. Angelica said that she didn't need a fancy wedding with all the fuss, but we decided to elope to get married in Reno, Nevada during Mark's Christmas break at school. Standing on the courthouse steps in the early morning, the Justice of the Peace announced us as Mr. and Miss Scott and Angelica Baker as the snow gently fell. My heart was exploding with joy as I kissed Angelica as my wife for the first time. We went back to our room and made passionate love together all day. We were sitting up and deciding what to do next. Oh my god, that is the completion of page two, and that's where we're stopping, because I thought it was going to be page three, but now page four has cropped up since we've hit page three. So holy fucking shit. If you need to know what happens next, that's an accidental romance by S-H-P-T-C-H-R. Holy shit. Holy shit. That was like 50 minutes I was doing that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) I will finish it, too. I will 100% finish that another time, too. Oh, my God. That was incredible. Oh, man. Laughing Rose, happy birthday. Thanks for coming out on your birthday. Thanks to all the new girls. Uh, Let's do a quick reset because that story was incredible. I'm saving it. I really am. I saved them all, but this one I'm really saving, if you know what I mean. Okay. So let's do a quick reset and let's do quick quotes. Quick quotes, quick quotes. If you put it in quotations, I will say your quote. Quick quotes, quick 
quotes. Honest to goodness. Well, I'm waiting for some quotes to pop up there. Uh, for real and for true, why would you write that story as erotica? Like, there's nothing wrong with that story. I mean, there's... But there's nothing inherently wrong with writing that story. Like, I've read a lot of fucking shit on Kindle uh, Unlimited. Uh, oh, God damn it. <laughs> I've read a lot of stories on Kindle Unlimited that were like, eh. But why would you... But why would you write that as erotica? There's one sex scene in two fucking pages. And, like, I must have read at least 8,000 words. So why would you, in your mind, be like, this is erotica, and the only answer I can come up with, there gotta be balls deep from here on in. Scott's just gotta be plowing Angelica. From, I'm like, I'm so curious how this story continues. Somebody, somebody put up a quote. Somebody put up a quote so we all know how to do it. Quick quotes. There we go. Thank you so much. Uh, new girls, especially, we love to hear quick quotes from you so I can say hello to you, say your name. You know that I want to. There we go. So quick quotes. Now I have to have to reset. I have to stop using my comedic intonations and my comedic cadence. Start saying this shit very, very real. Here we go. <clears throat> Tell me all of your deepest, darkest, and dirtiest desires. Show me how you like it, baby girl. Come here, baby girl. I'm going to stroke your hair and your face and kiss you. Dear God, that was a wild ride from start to finish. <clears throat> I need you sitting on my lap, Kelly. Daddy wants to make those curls bounce. You're such a good girl. For daddy. That pout on your face must mean you want something. <laughs> My needy little girl. Don't look away from me. I want to see every little expression on that face. Good luck next week, baby girl. Quick quote. We get a few more in, and then on to the next story. Thank all of you guys for coming out on a Friday night, especially Good Friday. Uh, I guess this is a tighter time of the year for people than I guessed. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't know that was a still big thing. Uh, so I do appreciate it. As I think I'm about to start concluding my podcast with, thank you for flying with us. We know you have lots of other choices. Snuggle in, baby girl. I've got you. Clean me up properly. Lick all of it. <laughs> Yeah, these are good. These are some good quotes. Should have started with these before we got to the comedy. All right, guys, finishing up quick quotes so we can move on to the next story. 
<laughs> this one actually looks like it might be erotica. We'll see. I know you've been working hard, baby girl. It'll be worth it. I believe in you. <clears throat> Not to undercut how sweet this all is, I actually just watched a stand-up comedian. I'd never seen or heard of him before. But he did this whole little bit about how, like, once porn starts making you feel proud of yourself, it's all over. No one's ever going to leave their house again. And uh, I sat listening to the routine going, yeah, I know. I'm working on it. I've been working on it for a couple of years now. You're doing it as a comedy skit, but trust me, this is my actual game plan. So uh, you are correct, sir. Uh, <clears throat> Keep going, baby girl. You've got this. I think you deserve a kiss. I think you deserve a forehead kiss. Don't you? Okay, girls. Thank you so much. That was Quick Quotes. I do appreciate each and every last one of you for giving me one. Very, very brave of you to go ahead and put that up. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Let's let's try and find out who the narrator is, so that they, the story does my favorite thing ever, which is opening a story with dialogue with no dialogue tag. So just real quick, I'm gonna go off like I'm a writer and I'm bugaboo. I guess I have to I have to start two things, but this is always a warning sign as well when a story starts off this way. So if you're writing, you have this idea of a character and a setting and a voice in your head. If you start off your writing with dialogue, and it has no tag, we don't have any of that as the reader. There's no context for us. So the way that you should imagine it, and this is a, this is a metaphor that I'm borrowing from somebody else they gave me like 15 years ago, but imagine sitting down for a play, and the play starts, the lights go down, the play starts, but the curtains don't open, so you can't see anything, and the first line is spoken through a modulator. So it would sound like this, like seriously, like this. Hips back, keep the bar tracking down your legs. Nice, perfect form, Eva. Right? Think about that disembodied robotic voice. Why? Because we have no idea the gender, we have no idea the tone, we have no idea who's speaking, so you can't imagine a person doing it. You have to imagine some weird robotic, non-human tone. And so every time one of these stories begins like this, all I can think is, oh shit, some other writer hasn't come along and punched this person in the ear yet until they've submitted and done things the right way. Because that's the only, that's the way that it works with us writers, is we're, is we're like a bunch of chimps trying to climb the ladder, and when one of us does it wrong, all of us gets hosed. So when one writer starts to try and do it wrong, we pull them off the fucking ladder and we beat the fucking shit out of them. Stop making us look bad. Life's already hard enough. Our only friend is a pizza boy. Right? So, like, <laughs> that hasn't happened to this poor unfortunate soul yet. So, I just said, stop doing this. Our life is so hard. Our only friend is a pizza boy. And two people said yes and true. So, I guess we've got two budding writers in the chat. <laughs> okay. All right. <clears throat> I don't know who's saying this, so I'm just going to say it like I'm saying it because I still can't figure out who the fucking speaker is. 
Hips back. Keep the bar tracking down your legs. Nice. Perfect form, Ava. Okay. I wipe some sweat from my brow and give Jack a half smile. He's worn me out with this class, but not as much as I want to wear him out. I try not to let my eyes linger when he demonstrates a pull for someone, but I can't help but stare at his hard, strong muscles. This whole hour has been torture. I can't focus on squats or push-ups because I keep thinking about what happened a few days ago. That's two strikes, fucking writer. It's two strikes and three lines. I was a few glasses of wine deep, swiping through faces on a dating app when his stopped me. Made my heart skip a beat. It was definitely him. Lively brown eyes, thick beard, broad shoulders filling out a rugged flannel. I've been yearning to taste him ever since I started taking body pump classes a few months ago. My wine-soaked brain, with no fear of potential awkwardness, swiped a hard right. Fuck. I put my phone down and groaned. Maybe he'll be flattered. He'll probably just think it's cute. I tried to convince myself he wouldn't hate me, pouring more red. Then my phone lit up. It's a match. I felt a jolt of electricity run through me. Game on. Ava, if you're going to stick around after class, I can show you a stretch to help deepen those squats. Jack said casually, Sweet. Thanks. I'm grinning. I hope the rest of the class doesn't pick up on the tension I feel like I'm giving off. Everyone trails off and I kill time by stretching on the floor, trying to focus on the sensations of my body, the sound of my breathing, anything but my damp palms and pounding heart. I push up into downward-facing dog and sigh. Then... I hear the door click shut. I glance up and catch Jack checking out my ass. He senses me looking and his eyes dart to mine. He's blushing now. But I don't break my gaze. Get it, girl. He closes the distance between us, and then he is pressing his palms against my hips slightly, my feet on either side of my hands. Is this okay? He asks very sexily. Absolutely. He slinks his weight into my back, making my upper arm twist in and shoulders track down my back. He pulses slightly so that I'm loose, loosening in places. I didn't even know I had all that tension. It feels amazing and a groan escapes me. Now it's my turn to blush. But wait, was that a twitch? Yes, I definitely feel a pressure where there wasn't one before, just about where his cock would be. He pulses a few more times and steps back. I walk my hands back to standing, facing him. He looks a bit nervous, cheeks flushed. That feels amazing, I say, smiling at him. He cocks his eyebrows. I can show you an even better stretch. If you like. Let's do it, I say. 
I feel my heart beating faster in my chest as he asks me to face the mirror, the space between us thickening as it closes. I'm a few feet from the mirror now, and he has me lean forward so my hips are bent at a 90-degree angle, my palms against the mirror, arms straight and bracing. He guides his hips behind me, and I can feel the warmth of him through the fabric of my leggings. My pussy is starting to get wet at the thought of his cock being mere inches away from me. You've got me in quite the compromising position, I joke. He smiles, holding me steady with one hand at my hip, his fingers folding into the crease where it meets my upper thigh. His right hand presses into my lower back. Deep breathe, deep breath in. He says, and I feel my chest up to my abdomen, my lower belly, and exhale. I release, and he presses along my spine, cracking at it all the way up my neck, where the sparks erupt from my bones. I melt into him and fold forward, my ass brushing back against his pelvis. I nearly topple over, but he catches me, easily lifting me to my feet. Did that feel good? His hand is back at at my hip, my ass still grazing him. I look up at us in the mirror. He nearly, he's nearly a head taller than me. It did. I smile, cheekily resting my head against his chest. That was an ideal position to have you in. He smirks, tipping my face up gently. Oh, yeah? I say, daring him to go further. Our lips are almost touching. I can feel his breath. He pulls back for a moment and asks, Can I kiss you? I answer by turning toward him and pressing my palm against his chest. With my other hand, I curl my fingers around the nape of his neck and bring his lips to mine. He kisses me slowly at first, tenderly exploring my lips and tongue. His hands move from my waist to the small of my back then cup the curve of my ass. I have to stand on tiptoes to reach him properly, one arm wrapped around his neck, the other caressing the grooves of his muscular shoulders. I can feel the heat emanating from his body in waves as he presses his impossibly hard chest into my soft breasts, his iron hands running over my hips. He takes me by the back of my thighs and lifts me effortlessly, wrapping my legs around his waist. My back is pressed against the mirror behind us and pulses his hips into mine. I groan at the feeling of his cock hardening through the fabric of his pants. I break away from his mouth to run my lips lightly down his neck, tasting the salt on him, his earthy aroma making me hungry for more. He tilts his head back, and I make my way to his Adam's apple, feel it vibrate when he says, Now, about that compromising position. I gasp in surprise when he drops me and catches me by the waist, turning me to face the mirror again. He runs his hands down my arms, spreading my hands wide and pressing them to the glass. Spread your legs. Fuck, 
I obey him. I can feel my wetness seeping through my leggings now. I watch him in the mirror as he stops back to appraise me. His eyes are sparked with lust, but he has his brow furrowed seriously, deciding how best to handle this excellent opportunity. He runs his fingers lightly over my ass and then works his way back up my waist, finally turning his attention to my breasts, which are practically tumbling out of my bra in this position. He cradles them in his big hands, pinching my nipples, feeling them harden. Suddenly, he yanks down the top of my tight sports bra, the neckline catching under my tits to push them up and together. I gasp and watch him stroke my exposed nipples while I grind back into his cock. He exhales and laughs. I've been waiting to see those for a while. I grin and shimmy for him, letting him get an eyeful. Anything else you want to see? I ask. Of course. He says seriously. But I'm taking my time. He presses one hand into my back, bringing it to the arch. Be sure to keep your chest lifted. He orders as he takes my ponytail and tugs it back toward him. I moan, loving the firm pressure at my scalp. Then he reaches his hand between my legs, pressing strong fingers to my pelvis and drawing them back, stroking my pussy. I follow his lead, tilting my hips back toward him. He draws a line along my crease all the way up the top of my ass, slowly enjoying every inch. Glutes are strong. He says, both hands moving my ass, both hands moving to my ass now. I giggle at how he can't help but instruct. Don't move. He laughs. He reaches up, making sure my arms are still firm. My limbs are quivering from stimulation and exhaustion. But I don't fight the shake, eager to see what he's got planned for me next. I look into the mirror and check out his cock, long and thick, though what must through what must be compression shorts. I can make out the bulge of the head, the cylinder of his shaft, pressing against the black fabric. Am I imagining it, or can I see it pulsing from here? The feel of his hand flat against my ass brings me back. He's stroking it between my legs and up, past my clit, over and over, creating friction, making my whole pussy tingle and warm. You're soaked for me, baby, he says breathlessly. He shows his he slows his rhythm and focuses his fingers, circling my clit. I can't help but let out a high-pitched whine from between clenched teeth as I feel myself swell. I arch my back harder, straining to press myself against his hand. I lift up on my tiptoes, begging him for more. You know, I've been waiting to see your ass up close, too. He says, and he kneels behind me. He reaches up and pulls my leggings down to my knees. Now, just red lace thong, now just my red lace thong is separating us. He inches closer still. May I? He asks, grinning, fingers hovering just above my panty line. God, yes, 
do it, I demand, and he strips off my thong, leaving my bare pussy inches from my from his face. His warm breath hits me as he pauses. I squeeze my eyes shut, and suddenly his wet mouth is on me, all over, working from my clit all the way up my ass. His hot tongue is moving like a wave, gently sucking, pushing, pulling me apart with his hands so that he can reach every part of me. I brace myself against the mirror, knees too weak with pleasure to be useful. His mouth is covering my clit now, every part of his tongue smoothly licking up and down. He reaches one hand, stroking his thumb in circles around my other hole, already wet from his mouth. Yes, I yell, give it to me. He pushes it in slowly, and I scream, squeezing my pussy, my walls throbbing, matching the rhythm of his mouth on my clit. The pressure from his thumb makes me feel so full that I might burst, and I puff back into him frantically. I'm dripping into his beard, and I'm so close to coming all over him. I want to see your cock. I whine, and he chuckles, reaching into his pants to oblige me. I watch him in the mirror as he pulls it out. Yes, it is so perfect, veiny, rock-hard, just for me. He starts to stroke it in time with the pulses to his face. It's glistening with his juices. Oh my God, yes, yes, you're going to make me come. His gro- <clears throat> He growls and works his thumb into me deeper. His mouth is all over me. I squeeze my pussy and he sucks my clit into his mouth perfectly. And I can hear myself screaming, Yes, yes, I'm coming. And I shudder against him, soaking his face. I want to feel you come on my back, I gasp, quivering with a glowing exhaustion. Oh, fuck, he gasps, starting to tear my shirt up. Give it to me, Jack, I say, making eye contact with him in the mirror. He bites his lip and groans with his last few strokes, letting his hot cum splatter across my bare skin. I exhale, eyes rolled back into my head, and fight the urge not to fall to the floor. He puts his cock away and takes off his shirt to clean me, and I finally get to admire his body fully. Chest and abs perfectly toned, two cuts of muscle at his hips angling toward his cock. I close my eyes and enjoy how gently and meticulously he cleans my back. When I'm all dried off, I turn around and help myself to his muscle, stroking between each groove. Do you mind just picking me up again? I ask, looking at him through my lashes. He laughs and grabs me under my thighs, wrapping them around his waist, and kisses me deeply. I can taste myself on him. I let my hands tool around his hair lazily, enjoying the feeling of melting into him. Eventually, he breaks away to look at me and ask, Would you like to get dinner with me sometime? I can't help but laugh at his earnestness, especially when his beard is still soaked 
in my cum. That is the training session from Bidget Belsercy, B-E-L-L-E-C-E-R-I-S-E. What a porn name. Okay. All right. Guys, that was a lot of fun, but that's going to have to be the night. My, is, my, my tummy is rumbling. It's, uh, I like to end it on a fun one, <clears throat> but we did a big, long, fun one, and then we did a little sexy one. Uh, very little, but very sexy. That was very well written. It was very, very good. Guys, one last time. Uh, it is my 420. I have had a difficult month. Tip me, man. I did fucking fantastic the last 30 days. I know you're all excited that the podcast is back. You girls at home, mad that I keep saying tipping me. Well, you should come to a live show and hear me say it anyway. I know you love listening to the recording of the live show, but it just has so much more energy if you come to it. I put more in it. I feel my ego getting stroked. I really, really, really appreciate it. So if you're at home listening to this recording, you got to come to a live show. They're Fridays. They're at 10 Eastern. Uh, next one is going to be for last one. Uh, last Friday of the month is typically for reserved for patrons. But before that, Fridays, 10 Eastern. Come on in. Had a great time. This is some great recommended reading. As you can hear, I'm going over it all uh, for the first time, and I hear it with you, and I do enjoy it. Spending the time with you, having fun with you. I had a real fun show, and uh, just personally, I've been on something that's called a tolerance break, where I wasn't allowed to have weed for the last four weeks. That ends tomorrow. On the holy stoner day of 420, I'm going to take all this tip money, buy tons of weed, and have an amazing 100% day off for me before I get back to work. I know that you're enjoying season one. Thank you so much for all of your feedback. Thank you for sharing. I've talked previously about how you guys are the lifeblood of this. Everybody who shares, everybody who comes, everybody who retweets, everybody who reblogs, that sort of thing. It 100% is starting to find new fans again, even with Tumblr dying on us. So thank you so much. Each and every last one of you who does the like, who does the follow, who sends it all out, thank you, because you are helping me find new fans, which is 100% my goal right now. Thank you so much for it. Guys, it's just going to keep on going from here. We've got 12 episodes left, and I know that you're going to enjoy at least one of them more than just about anything else I've ever done. Thank you for it, for all your support, for everything, really and truly. Really and truly, no stage voice now. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for everything that you give me. I'm a lucky, lucky, lucky boy. I am going to get off this podcast. I am going to get fairly fucking drunk until I can casbah into the uh, the 420 sales tomorrow. I have earned it. I feel very, very good about it. And you guys have made that happen. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for all your support. Come to a live show, Fridays, 10 Eastern. Again, thank you to everybody who comes out, everybody who tips, everybody who participates, everybody who has anything. I do appreciate it. And you, we are stopping the recording now.